Scripture today is from 1 Samuel 10. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, Has not the Lord anointed you leader over his inheritance? When you leave me today, you will meet two men near Rachel's tomb at Zelzah on the border of Benjamin. They will say to you, The donkeys you set out to look for have been found, and now your father has stopped thinking about them and is worried about you. He's asking, What shall I do about my son? Then you will go on from there until you reach the great tree of Tabor. Three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you there. One will be carrying three young goats, another three loaves of bread, and another a skin of wine. They will greet you and offer you the two loaves of bread, which you will accept from them. After that, you will go to Gibeah of God, where there is a Philistine outpost. As you approach the town, you will meet a procession of prophets coming down from the high place with lyres, tambourines, flutes, and harps being played before them, and they will be prophesying. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be changed into a different person. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. Go down ahead of me to Gilgal. I will surely come down to you to sacrifice burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, but you must wait seven days until I come to you and tell you what you are to do. As Saul turned to leave Samuel, God changed Saul's heart, and all these signs were fulfilled that day. Thank you, Bill. Good morning, and happy Thanksgiving as we enter into this great season and All kinds of new babies, I love that. There's all kinds of babies going on around here. That's something to be thankful for. So we praise God for that and all these new births and and a real gift from the Lord. When I was about 20, 21, for a couple summers, I worked at uh, Mount Hermon, which is in California, Santa Cruz Mountains of California. And I was a camp counselor there for high school kids at Ponderosa was the name of the high school camp. And I loved being a camp counselor, and I loved uh, spending time with these high school guys and and just really uh, having a great week together. You get eight guys at a time and just get to pour into their lives. And one of the themes during one of the summers, we had had a special night. It was a luau night, and we had one of the guys actually had gotten a, a real pig, and we basically shellacked that sucker with an apple in its mouth, and it was used all summer for the luau that we would do, and we'd carry this, this shellacked, glazed pig, uh, real pig, uh, throughout camp during the luau. And uh, so one of the, one of the great things as, as a camp counselor would be to get my guys, and we'd sneak out in the middle of the night, and we'd sneak into the, the area where the pig was, and, and then we would we would sneak into a, a girl's cabin somewhere and make sure that that would get hid while they were out, uh, under some sheets somewhere, and then we would wait, we would wait, and then to our delight, the screams would come, you know, and, and that was the, just a blast of camp and, and having all these great memories and scaring the girls. And, and uh, you know, as you, as you think about camp life, which many of you have done, it's so much more than just, just uh, some of those fun memories and, and having a sweet time together. Uh, with our counselors meeting, our camp counselor, we're always reminded, hey, you get the opportunity as counselors to really invest in these students, to 
to bring the love of God to, to each of these students. And don't forget, you know, while you're here. Uh, yeah, it's, it's good to have fun, but pour out the love of God and bring God's word and, and let God use you uh, to pour into these students. And so we would, and, and God would show up in amazing ways, and hearts were poured out. Here's the thing that many of you know who've gone to camp and who've been counselors and, and there's, you know, church camps and young life camps. And here's the thing. God, God shows up in amazing ways at camp. There's something, there's something that takes place at camp where many people have an incredible God encounter, where God really impacts their lives. And I've seen this over many, many years. I've done Young Life camps. I've done church camps, Mount Hermon, all those camps. And I've seen students be impacted deeply. And I know for many of you, uh, that's really where you had an encounter with the Lord, uh, touched your life forever. Some of the things that I would do is I would, I would call students years later, and we would get Christmas cards, and, and you keep in touch with these kids, and they grow up. And you call and you, and you write and you find out about their lives. And sadly, as you find out about some of these students that, that at camp had, had been impacted by God and they, they confessed and, and said, I want a relationship with Jesus Christ. And they were changed at camp. You, you find out years later that they want nothing to do with God. And they're living on their own and... and They've walked away from any, anything to do with God. And you're confused by that. I know many of you have been as, as you've followed friends and you're, you're like, what's, what's the Lord doing here? Uh, the reality is, though, they had an encounter with the living God and it touched their lives uh, and impacted them in some degree. And, and we're, we're trusting God to do what he needs to do. At the same time, we talked to students and and they would talk about how they've been following Christ ever since their encounter with God at camp. And they would talk about how they're living out for the Lord. And many, I found, are actually doing ministry now. And they're, they're just loving the Lord and they're loving their life in Christ as they continue to, to hold on to him as their Lord and Savior. God encounters, powerful. Both students, you know, during that time, encountered God. I think the question for all of us is, and what do we do once we've had this incredible encounter with God? How do we respond to his love that is poured out upon us and his grace poured out upon us? As we enter into Samuel chapter 10, Saul is about to have an amazing God encounter. God is going to show up in powerful ways, impacting his life and really changing him and touching his heart and, and, and giving him new insight into what God is doing. Powerful, powerful ways. And God is going to use Samuel, the prophet, like a camp counselor, to, to pour out and to invest in Saul's life, being used of, of the Lord to speak forth who God is. The thing is, we, we know the story of Saul's life as we follow the scriptures. And Saul 
had an amazing encounter that we'll see with God, and yet it seemed to be a brief encounter. But the thing that's cool about Samuel is Samuel keeps pouring out who God is to Saul. Samuel keeps investing. And the bigger picture is this, that you can't miss, that God has his incredible hand of love and grace, and he still keeps pouring out to Saul. You know, the big picture of of all of our spiritual lives, and sometimes it's hard to reconcile. This, This chapter is a little bit hard to reconcile with, wow, Saul had this amazing, probably one of the most powerful encounters with the living God. And yet, later on in life, chose to have nothing to do with them. And you go, Lord, how does that all work out? And here's Samuel pouring out and investing in his life. And I think we get to a place where we go, okay, Father, you're the one who works on hearts. You know hearts to the core. And so we entrust this person to you. And we know that, that you love this person much more than we ever would. And that you know exactly where they're at. Changed to the core or changed for the moment. We're going to see the story of Saul being changed. But I think unfortunately changed for the moment. And how God is going to use Samuel in the middle of all of that. Here's what happens as we, as we look at, look at, the, uh, look at the end of, uh, of chapter 9 here. Samuel is investing in Saul. He's, he's really listening to the Lord God. He's really listening to what God has for Saul's life. There's a special, there's a special thing that God is obviously doing with Saul. It, it's really a unique situation in that God is saying, hey, this is going to be the guy who's going to be king over my people. The, the Israelites were demanding a king. And God says, okay. I'm going to select this guy, Saul. I'm going to pour out upon him. Samuel, I want to use you to to pour out my truth into his life. And here's what the end of chapter 9 says. Look at this. This is how we start to be changed, and we'll see some change with with Saul. That's how God wants to penetrate into our hearts, I think. Looking at uh, 9.26. At the break of dawn, Samuel called to Saul, who was on the roof, and he said, Up! that I may send you on your way. And so Saul arose, and both he and Samuel went out to the street. And as they were going down to the outskirts of the city, Samuel said to Saul, Tell the servant to pass on before us, and when he has passed on, stop here yourself for a while, and don't look at, look at this, that I may make known to you the word of God, that I may bring forth to you, Saul, the word of God, what he has for your life, his truth. I want you to know very clearly what God has for you. As a prophet, he, he's like a discipler, one who walks alongside Saul, who is confused and doesn't know exactly what he's looking for. Remember, Saul, Saul's playing pin the tail on the donkey, right? He's out looking for lost donkeys, And Samuel's the one who is going to come into his life and he's going to take that blindfold off. And he's going to show Saul really what he's looking after. And he's going to point Saul in the direction of what God has for his life. 
powerful encounter with God that's about to take place. And I hope that the Lord uses you that way as you come into each other's life, as people are searching, that that God uses you to, to take off blindfolds. People who don't know where they're headed and bring to them, like the scriptures say, let me spend some time with you that I may make known to you the word of God. It really is discipleship. That's what discipleship is. Life on life. Just the two of them. Let's walk by ourselves for a while, Saul. Let me tell you what God has for your life. You know, here's the deal I know about this church family, which I love about this church family. There's a lot of life on life here. And if you're not having life on life, uh, then I just want to encourage you to, to open yourself up, to be available, to walk through life with somebody. Sometimes that's a bold step of saying, hey, can we just spend some time together? And, you know, this journey is not easy. I need someone to walk through with me. And you enter into a discipleship relationship. But here's the thing. If you are discipling right now and if you are coming along side by side, I want to encourage you that it is so much more than just having a cup of coffee together. It's so much more than just hanging out together. Those are great things, right? And I love it. I love going and grabbing a cup of coffee with you men and and, and sitting and hearing about life and and walking alongside of you. But I want to encourage you to, to, like Samuel did with Saul, hey, let's spend time together and let me bring the word of God into your life. Let me remind you of what God says about this situation. Let's just not just make up some of our own counsel. Let's bring the truth into those coffee times that you have. Let's let's bring God's word because it's powerful. He disciples by bringing in truth, and he disciples by walking alongside, and he brings the very words of God. We long for that as a church family. We, We desire so much. God, use us to teach your words because we know that's how you change hearts. We know that's how you impact people. Here's what the scriptures say, that the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow. It's discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him who we must give account. The Word of God has impact. It's not just ink on paper that we look at. It's living. And that's why when we walk alongside each other, bring out the Word of God. And do like Saul did with Samuel. Hey, let's spend a little time that I may make known to you the words of God. That's what our scriptures are. Praise God that we have the whole Bible to give us the heart of God for us to show us what life is all about. But let's bring it to one another. It changes us. It changes us. cuts through our hearts. It reminds us of who we are. It reveals sin. It reminds us of God's grace. Let's bring the words of God. So Samuel starts out that way. This faithful, obedient, discipler, prophet, powerful position, but really discipler. And he's walking alongside with Saul. 
and he's surrendering all of his, really, all of his authority. He was the man. And now he's passing it off to, to Saul to be the man. And he's going to have a different relationship now. I'll be the prophet, but you will be the king. And God has chosen you. But God wants to impact your life, and he wants to reveal himself to you, so let me share the words of God. We're going to see that Saul begins to be changed and starts to, to encounter the living God who is powerful by this beautiful anointing that takes place. Then Samuel took a flask, verse 1, of oil, and he poured it on his head, and he kissed him. And he said this, Has not the Lord anointed you to be prince over his people? Has not he chosen you, and has not he anointed you to be prince over his people? Anointing is an amazing thing that would take place in, in the Old Testament. It was carried out by, by the priests and the prophets of the Lord. And they would pour out this sacred spiced oil upon the head. And it would pour down. And it would come along the face and it would just pour and cover the person. It was to be symbolized as the power and the presence of God coming upon an individual to empower them for the work of the Lord, to empower them and remind them of, of what God was calling them to and that His Spirit, His presence was there. In Psalm 133, it's, it's associated with, with the anointings associated with the beautiful unity of the body of Christ. How sweet it is when, when brothers dwell together in unity, when they experience who God is in the unity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, who have that beautiful relationship. How beautiful it is when we dwell together like this. It's like, it's like oil being poured upon Aaron and dripping off his beard. It's the presence of God. And God in his grace, and God in ways that we don't even understand sometimes, picks this guy Saul, who really wants nothing to do with anything, and he's about to pour himself out upon Saul. Because, you see, God goes after us that way. Even when we want nothing to do with him. He pours himself out upon us. And he's anointing Saul through Samuel. There's a beautiful picture in Isaiah 21 of of the, the, the scriptures cry out and say, oh Lord, it's the, like the anointing of my shield. You're powerful and you anoint my shield. The shield, this, this leather shield that they would have, the imagery is they would take oil and they would pour it out upon the shield and they would rub it in for the purpose that it would be, be flexible and, and fit to do what? To go into battle. I love that imagery of anointing. God is pouring out that we might be flexible and fit for his kingdom as he longs to use us for his purposes. He involves us and includes us. As Samuel is anointing Saul, he says some amazing words about Saul. You are to be prince over his people and you shall reign 
over the people and you shall save them. Those words that are being poured out upon Saul are words that speak forth the future of our king, Jesus. He is the king of kings. He is the one who is the prince of peace. He is the one who will be our savior. He is the one who will rule in our lives. And Saul will fail miserably, and it's going to create even more of that longing for the one who will come into our lives and reign over us and rule over us and be our savior. But these words are poured out upon this earthly king. But earthly kings will never meet our needs, our soul. Earthly kings will never be the ones who save us to the core. And we see this anointing poured out. And the failures that we'll see in the future point that there's greater things to come. It eventually goes, the anointing goes to King David. And then from King David we see this beautiful anointing that ends up upon our Lord Jesus Christ. And as he preaches, he says this, Jesus, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free. And the people are amazed by his teaching because Jesus says, This is fulfilled in this day. It's me who's been anointed. I am the Christ. I am the anointed one. And we are drawn in to our need for a Savior. The anointing is a powerful, beautiful thing given out to Saul, reflected in the future of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the thing that's beautiful, as we walk in relationship with Jesus Christ is that we see this anointing, this hand of God upon us, this pouring out of his spirit upon us. This anointing that took place now comes on to the saints, you and me, as followers of Jesus Christ. Chris Rudell used to always say something that I loved. He would say, what, what is true of Christ is true of us. What would take place in Christ's life takes place in our lives. Obviously, we're not God, but all these beautiful things that God did with his son now are passed on to us, his children. What's true of Christ is true of us. Christ was anointed, and guess what? So are we. One of the things you need to know about your identity in Christ is that we have received the same beautiful anointing by the power of God, and it comes through his spirit. You and I have been anointed. 1 John 2.20 says, You have this anointing from the Holy One who has come upon you. And 2.27 says, The anointing which you have received from Him abides in you. It takes up residence in you and dwells there. And so God has poured out upon us, followers of Jesus Christ, this incredible anointing that's through the Spirit that's come. And we've been rubbed with oil so that we might be fit, flexible, ready for service to go into the battle. We can only go through this journey with the power of Christ, changing our lives 
and, and moving in us, and we're only empowered by him. There's nothing spiritually that is done in this life without the Spirit. God puts his hand upon Saul, and again, a way that is full of grace and power, touches his life. And then I love how Samuel's prophecy, but discipleship, continues with Saul. It says he pours the oil out and then he kisses him. The kiss is is more than just, hey, good luck. The kiss is, is holy, and the kiss means, and you know what? I support you in this. And one of the things that we'll see about Samuel's life, which I hope is true of our life as we come alongside people, is that Samuel keeps showing up and keeps coming alongside Saul, revealing God's word to him. And so that kiss from the prophet says, I'm with you, and I will continue to bring forth God's word into your life. And here's the deal, Saul, Samuel says, there's going to be signs along this way. I'm going to show you very clearly that all that is taking place in your life right now is from God. It's not just happenstance. We think sometimes God is out of control, and God absolutely is in control, and he has his hand upon this. And what's going to happen, Saul, is you're going to be walking along the road, and there's going to be a couple guys who are going to show up, and they're going to tell you, guess what, the donkeys are fine. Don't worry about the donkeys anymore. Your dad's concerned about you, but the donkeys are good. And then from that place, you're going to go over to the Oka Tabor, and you show up there, and there's going to be guys with three goats and three loaves of bread, and they're going to give you two. Very sacred. They were going to sacrifice. They were going to worship. And all of a sudden, God's encountering Saul along this road, saying, hey, they're going to give you two loaves of bread. That's part of all that sacrificial time. It's spiritual. It's sacred. And God is showing up in Saul's life, trying to change him, trying to reveal himself to him, and starting to move into his life. And then, Saul, what's going to happen from there, you're going to keep going on, and there's going to be these prophets, and they're going to be prophesying at the hill of God, you're going to run into them, Gibeath Elohim. And then you're going to enter into prophesying with them. And later on in this passage, it says, and all these things came about. God is amazing in his hand upon us. God is amazing in his pursuit of us and and pouring out himself upon us. Even to a guy like Saul, who really didn't seem to want much to do with it. And so we go, God, your ways are not our ways. God, you obviously have purpose for this king to lead your heritage because you're going to show that, you know what, this king will not satisfy. This king will not lead you to everything that you had hoped for. But you choose to use this guy. And I think it's beautiful how God still pours out himself upon Saul. Remember, God loves Saul. And to each one of us, he pours out his love, and then we have the choice How are we going to respond to that love? How? God still keeps showing himself.
Dr. Hugh Ross, who's an astrophysicist, and all of these signs that took place, he says this. He says, the probability of all these events that we see in Samuel 10 happening in the sequence as in Samuel that we see would be one in eight million. You don't think God has his hand on our lives? He's walking with us. He's revealing himself to us. And as you are like Samuel, as you're coming alongside people and you're begging God for their hearts, don't forget that God's pouring himself out upon them as well. He's using you in the middle of that, and we thank God for that. Saul is starting to be changed by the word of God. He's starting to be changed by this beautiful anointing of God. And now we're going to see that he's going to start to be changed by the, the, the radical, powerful spirit of God coming into his life. When I went to uh, Westmont College, uh, I really uh, continued and, and just really got involved with surfing. And, uh, you know, it's not the best idea. But when you go to school in Santa Barbara, and, and I'm not exactly sure how anything gets done, you know, scholastically. Uh, <laughs> You know, you're, you're going to the beach and you're surfing and you're laying on the sand and you got, you're, you're studying biology, if you know what I mean. And, and you're, you know, you're just, you're just really, nothing gets done. But, uh, you know, Joanna, I don't know how we graduated with anything, right? And, 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 you know, it's just a beautiful spot, but I was really into surfing and I'd go as much as I could and we would oftentimes sneak out of, out of Old Testament class and, uh, and, and get into the waves. But one of the things, if you've ever surfed, that you know about is, is you, you'll paddle out and, and certain sets will roll in. And we went out on this one day that was, that was just an average, a nice day. It was about a three-foot, four-foot swell. And, and that's, a good, that's a good wave. And so we're enjoying the day. And then out of nowhere, uh, we start to see uh, there is this huge set coming in. It's about a seven, eight-foot set. It's just a monster set. Now, when you're laying on your board, that's a 16-foot face. I mean, it's a, big, it's a big face. And here's the deal that you have to do, if, if you know anything about surf, and you've probably seen on TV, but, I mean, you got to pat, as soon as you see that set coming in, you're like, I need to get over those lips um, because I'm going to get crushed. And so, sure enough, we see the set coming in, and we start paddling, and I didn't make it. <laughs> I got just to the crest of the wave, and I was paddling up, and then it was, oh, Lord, make sure I'm coming to heaven. And, <laughs> and it just took me upside down, and it slammed me underneath the water, and I was tossed and turned. And I, I couldn't, you know, you try to fight at first. You can't. You can't. You just have to let go. And then literally ended up, I ended up about 40 yards down the other direction. And praise God, I, you know, I came up. This is the way that the word is used. You know, we, we read in the NIV, and the power of the Spirit will come upon you. It, in the Hebrew, it's really this, and the Spirit of God will rush upon you. It will overtake you. It's violent, and it's powerful, and, and you can't kick against it. God is going to come and impact your life. And that's what happens with Saul. Saul. He encounters the living God, and the Spirit rushes upon him. God is using Saul. 
And God is allowing Saul, like he did with all of us, he's allowing us to see who he is. But in his amazing grace, he pours out all of himself upon Saul so that he can be ready for this this role of king that he's been called to. And the Spirit rushed upon him. And then he ends up prophesying with the other prophets. And he ends up changed in some radical ways. The Spirit of the Lord shows up in, in the Old Testament. In many ways, we see it we see it, this terminology, the Spirit rushing upon, we see it in Judges 14. And, and Samson is in the, in the vineyards of Timnah, and this young lion comes racing towards him to attack him. And what does Samson do? He just rips it apart like it's nothing. And then in Judges 15, we see Samson is bound up. And the Scriptures say clearly again, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon Samson and, and those bindings were like butter. They just melted off. And then he found a jawbone of a donkey on the ground, and he took that up, and he slayed a thousand Philistines that day in the power of the Lord through the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is powerful. Powerful. And that same Holy Spirit rushed upon Saul to empower him for the work that needed to be done over God's heritage, God's heritage, not Saul's, God's people, to lead them. You know, we start to learn that that Israel's future king will learn not to depend on conventional fighting, but on the power of God. And so is the same for you and me. We sometimes try to fight this battle with conventional items when we're in a spiritual battle that rages on. And so we pray and we beg the Lord to fill us with the Spirit and we look to His Word to lead us. Because like Ephesians 6 says, hey, guess what, gang? There's a battle and it's raging. And I want you to be facing it with the power of God so that you might have life in Christ, that you might have victory over these things. The Spirit came on. In the Old Testament, we see the Holy Spirit coming powerfully upon people like we do with Saul, and we see it with David. And as we see with these beautiful saints in the Old Testament, it would come and rest upon these saints for a season of time. And then the Scriptures are clear that then the Spirit would leave. But it's different for us today. But I don't want you to miss the power of the Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that was in the Old Testament is the same Holy Spirit that has come into our lives. And here's what the Scriptures say. Remember that time at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2? They were all gathered in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and it divided as tongues among their heads. Jesus, before he's to go back with the Father, he he reminds his disciples, and we are his disciples, what life is going to look like spiritually empowered by the Spirit. And here's the promise of God, which is true of us today. John 14, I will ask the Father, Jesus says, and he will give you another helper, the Spirit, the Counselor. 
And he will be with you. The Holy Spirit will be with you forever. Forever. And what that means in the Greek text is forever. (laughs) You and I, folks, have that same rushing, powerful spirit that leads us in this life. Sometimes I I think we just forget. And sometimes I think we forget to ask, Lord, fill me with your spirit because I don't know how to face life today. But God is going to reveal to Saul the spirit, and he reveals to us a spirit that will live forever in us, and he's the spirit of truth who dwells in us. You see, the spirit of God came upon Saul, and he was changed, the scriptures say in this passage, into another man. You know, he was. He he experienced God. God was getting a hold of his life, and, and we can't deny that God was changing him. It was, he, was giving him he was giving him authority, and he was giving him insight into spiritual things. And the scriptures say he was changed into another man. To be shaken would be an understatement. He was tossed inside out, and he was underneath that wave for a long time. God had his hand upon him, And he was doing a work and he was changing. And that's oftentimes what he's doing with us who haven't come to a place of receiving Christ Jesus. He's starting to change us. He's starting to allow us to see what God is all about. There was this atheist. His name was Matthew Paris. And Matthew Paris went to Malawi in 2008. Atheist. And he wrote this article after his visit. As an atheist, I truly believe Africa needs God. And I've become convinced of this enormous contribution that the Christian and those who are evangelizing there makes in Africa. He says, I used to avoid this truth, but Christians, black and white, working in Africa, they do heal the sick and they do teach people to read and write. And only the severest kind of secularist could see a mission hospital or school and say to the world that the world would be better without it. I don't know where Matthew Paris' heart is at today, but he had a God encounter in Malawi. And God's doing that with you, for those of you who don't know Christ fully. You're starting to be changed. The scriptures say Samuel anointed him, and he turned him into another man. But here's what we see. Here's what we actually don't see. He's turned into another man not turned into a new man. Here's what the Bible says about you and me, those of us who have surrendered to Jesus Christ. The scriptures say this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone has placed their life in Christ, you are a new creation, and the old things have passed away, and behold, the new things have come, and you are new. God was working on Saul in his grace and he was revealing himself through the word and through the anointing and through the spirit and he was changing him. But we don't see quite yet that he was a new man. Who are we? God even gave him the gift of another heart, I think, which has the idea of he changed his whole view 
his whole perspective of everything that was going on. A guy who really wanted to hide, a guy who really wanted nothing to do with spiritual things. And God started to change his heart. He gave him a new heart that would see the things of God and that would start to trust in the things of God. He gave him another heart. Again, newness of heart. This is the things that we go, Lord, only you know Saul's heart to the core. Just like our friends who we can't understand why they seem to walk away from the Lord when they had a transformational experience at camp or anywhere in life. But I also think it's a conviction to us. What happened with us when God poured himself out with his love? Were we truly changed? Or did we just have a brief encounter with the living God? And, and we, we trusted him for a little bit. And we followed him for a little while. He's calling us back. You remember there was another Saul. And he was walking on the road to Damascus. He hated God. And he hated Christians. And he was ready to kill them. And just like this Saul of the Old Testament, God came upon the Saul of the New Testament and he changed his life inside out and upside down. But this Saul couldn't help but surrender to the love of God. And he was changed forever. His name became Paul. And his life Towards the end of his life, he could only cry out this. To live is Christ. To live is Christ. And to die is gain. As God pours out upon you, which Saul are we? I hope that our lives cry out to live is Christ. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word and, and how you continue to pour out grace. We don't understand your grace, Lord. We think we do, and we just, we're, we're blown away by how you continue to touch lives and, and you continue to reach hearts. And Father, we entrust to you those that, that you've placed in our lives that we're ministering to. We entrust them to you because you're the one who has control. You're the only one who can change hearts. But, Father, continue to use us, I pray, like Samuel. Continue to use us to bring forth your word of life, your truth. And, Father, uh, for those in this room who maybe just encountered you one time, I pray right now that your spirit would pour out upon them, that they would surrender to you. Stop searching, but surrender. And so, Father, I know your spirit is powerful like a rushing wave. And so pour out this morning, I pray. In your beautiful and precious name. Amen.